You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're here. We made it. We're back. It's Friday. We're going to close out the week strong. I'm excited for today's show and our guest list today. Colin says Niagara Falls is north of downtown Buffalo. Orchard Park is south. So we stayed north of Buffalo and drove south of Buffalo. Have you been there to you Niagara go. Falls? On uh, trip up there at any point? No, we just flew over it on the way in. The, the pilot, Chad, for NFL teams, it's very nice. That I will never uh, look at uh, commercial flights the same. They flew a certain direction so you could see Niagara Falls as you come through. It's yeah. a it's, it's a very poor, uh, they 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 make sure it's a very luxurious uh, uh, team opportunity, Jack. Let me say this about Niagara Falls, having <laughs> been there, and I've been to the Canadian side, but seen yeah. the falls and seen both sides of it. It's a terrible depiction of the United States of America, because the Canadian side of the falls is far superior. I mean, when you cross the border and go into Canada, you look like you're going into the greatest country on earth. And that greatest country on earth is the United States. But if you're leaving Canada and coming back to the States, it is a pathetic side it's like of the leaving, falls. like leaving Narnia. Yeah, I mean, it's like <laughs> it's basically like uh, uh, El Paso and Juarez. <laughs> but yet Juarez being the United States side yeah, yeah. of this. It's not pretty. Uh, there's nothing aesthetically pleasing about it. The falls are great. The Canadian side, the casinos, everything else, awesome. I think because they've just capitalized on sin, on the, on the Canadian side with gambling uh, and with adult entertainment, I believe, on that side, they've made it a nicer place. And then the American side is bad. Anyway. So you, you're saying that the American side immediately needs it's the one. It's the one area where I feel like you, know, you think United States, the most prosperous place on earth. It's great. And then if you were just, you know what, I'm going to go down to the U.S. and you were leaving Canada. Let's say you left from Toronto and drove south and then got to the Niagara Falls and you're going to cross into yeah. the U.S. there and go into Buffalo, you are in for a sad event. If you leave that area of Niagara Falls and cross into the U.S., that's... that's I've only flown over it. Uh, as I watch some people in the flight eat filet. <laughs> yeah, it's the only uh, thing I've ever done. I, I fashion myself as Captain America, and I trumpet all things American, but I will not trumpet it on, at the Niagara Falls. We need to change that. You want to go to Canada. When you go to the Niagara Falls, you want to hang out on the Canadian side. Trust me on that one. From the wall to the falls. South all the way up north. <laughs> yes. Trump in America. Well, it's and it's it's definitely south of the wall when you're going to the U.S. <laughs> if there was a wall dividing Niagara Falls. Uh, so they said we wouldn't make it to the NFL playoffs. Here we are. We made it. Here we are. And, and on time. You know, all the discussion a week and a half ago about what they were going to do. We kick things off tomorrow with Seattle on the road against San Francisco, followed by the Chargers and the Jaguars at 815 Eastern. Pet peeve. Anyone that says Jaguars, Jaguar, yeah. uh, it's not that hard. Jaguars really irritates me. Can I confess something right now? You say Chargers, or what do you do? No, uh, I say Jaguars. That's right. But I have a hard time saying it properly, and I know what you're saying is proper. I almost <laughs> want to say Jaguars when I say it. So you know what I do, Hutton? I call them the Jags. Jags. I think that's. I say Jacksonville or the Jags. I know I'm gonna 
in my mind, I know how to say it, but I know I might say it incorrectly, so I just shorten it to Jags every time. This, I had to really think about it to say it properly as I said it. We know people that say the Titans that put the emphasis on the second T. Titans. And that drives me crazy. Me too. When I hear that. So that's, yeah, you're right about it though. When, when it comes to that game, 8-15 uh, Eastern and Al Michaels and Tony Dungy being the call, I, I can't wait for this. Uh, we'll get to the best game of the weekend that, that we think is on paper. That's coming up. But Chad, this game, I know the Chargers are favored on the road. There are so many people, though, that think the Chargers are falling to Jacksonville. I don't know how the line hasn't really flipped based on the sentiment of media members pushing the public. And when I say that, like the perception of the game, there are so many people this week that have gone with Lawrence over Herbert based on all of the intangibles that Jacksonville is hitting right now. They can run the football. Uh, they have multiple weapons through the air. Their defense has been opportunistic. Their coach has that team ready to go with the mindset of foot on the throat, hit the gas pedal, we're not taking a week off. Meanwhile, on the flip side of things, the Chargers and Staley, Staley's been ridiculed for playing his starters too long last week. And the reports are that if he loses, he's out. Like he's he's very much on the hot seat based on the coaches that are available and that who would want to come and coach Justin Herbert. I don't know how the Vegas end of this still sticks with LA. So Herbert's been in the league one more year than Trevor Lawrence, right? He was drafted the year before, and then Trevor Lawrence is number one pick. That's right. The yeah, he's in year. year three. He's about to end year three. And, and this Lawrence is year two is, yeah. for for Trevor yeah. Lawrence. So normally, if I'm if I'm just gauging media opinion of kind of what they subconsciously want to have happen you're going to pull for the storyline the bigger storyline is the bigger quarterback and it's always a big storyline when the big young quarterback takes a big step and goes on a run that doesn't really explain the Trevor Lawrence thing if you're picking the Jags because I would think you'd be wanting Justin Herbert in year three to take that next big step as a big time quarterback in the NFL and maybe subconsciously rooting for that as opposed to Trevor Lawrence but I do think with this run, the Jags have been on. Both teams have been on a run to get in the playoffs, both both the Chargers and the Jags. Yeah. But for Trevor Lawrence at home, and you're, if you're picking the Jags to win, I, I think this is kind of the, not a coronation, but it's a next step for Trevor Lawrence and this Jags team that played great down the stretch. I think the Chargers win this game, but I am a little bit compelled to take the money line with the Jags at home because who knows if Williams is out for the Chargers also. I mean, I, I could see the Jags winning this game, even though I, I think the Chargers are better. One of the questions I'll ask Armando when he joins us about this game is, is it, do, does he have faith and what's the perception of the two quarterbacks to where I, I think one of the two comes out flat. I don't know which one does, but I don't think this is – the Mahomes Herbert showdown that we've seen twice a year for the last three. I don't know. That's just the maybe Lawrence picks it up. It's not like he's thrown multiple touchdowns in, in a ton of games this year. His numbers are really good, but I, I believe he only has three games where he has multiple touchdown passes. Herbert's got more than that, but both come in with a little vibe that uh, one guy's going to stunt the growth a little bit, and the vast majority of the media are on board with Herbert doing that more so than Lawrence, who's on the upward trajectory. 
both are. Both are excellent. Um, but the perception of one of these guys changes dramatically, I think, with a win. Moving on to the divisional round. Uh, Chad, the top game of the weekend for you. Top game of the weekend for me, Monday Night Football and Bucks and Cowboys, I think is the, is the best one. I think there's, um, there's probably a close second, in my opinion, Hutton. And I, I, in terms of interest for me, uh, and I think a game that's going to be compelling down the it's it's the Giants and Vikings. I think the late I, afternoon Sunday game would be number two, but Brady versus Dak and the Cowboys and all the interest around the Cowboys and is this Mike McCarthy's final game as Cowboys head coach if they lose? That's number one for me. So I I'm I love watching Brady and the pressure on Dak Prescott. I, I think no quarterback right now in the playoff field has more riding on the perception of who he is as a player than Dak Prescott. Does he join this premium crop of players now, uh, quarterbacks, or is he remaining the same, like, next shelf when you start listing off the solid quarterbacks in the league? He's good, not great. And can he take it to the next level in this moment? That's the storyline that begins on Monday night for him. But I think for this to be a good game, it's got to be bad. Meaning, it's got to be kind of sloppy. The uh, defense is controlling a little bit. Because I think if it's a high-scoring game, it is a boat race by Dallas. I, I think... I don't think this I is like 47-38. Right. I, like, I agree. I agree overall with, with the, and the Bucks' inability to run. But with their team... Here's the one caveat I'd put in there. Will Brady and Mike Evans catch fire? They got it going a little bit late in the season, last couple of games. Yes. That's the only way to me that Tampa can hang in there with Dallas in some sort of shootout. Yes. But I, I do think, I, again, I'm most interested to see what happens because the personalities involved and the teams involved. I don't think it's going to be you. the prettiest football of the weekend. I, don't, I think even if it's a close game, like you said, it's going to be an ugly close game. And I, I'm with you. I think the best game of the weekend ends up being New York and Minnesota, but I don't think it's getting the same respect because it's Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins, and that's not driving the media attention. It will. The, the winner of that game drives some attention moving forward. It is odd that you have the top receiver in the league and the quarterback that throws him the football <laughs> doesn't receive the accolades. We, we never see that, and that's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. It's all about Jefferson, and Cousins is just an afterthought. And normally the receiver is paired with the quarterback as to why they're really good. right? If you mention Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers immediately comes up. You mention Mike Evans, it's Tom Brady. You mention Justin Jefferson, it's Adam Thielen. <laughs> yeah. You know? And can Cousins change the perception as well? I, the storylines in the NFC at quarterback are intriguing. The superstars are in the AFC, and that's who takes over the mantle. And can you unseat Mahomes or Josh Allen? I think I saw oh, and Burrow. Yeah, I think I saw Clay talking about this with Derek Carr, talking about the NFC quarterbacks, what Derek Carr could look like in the NFC versus what he looks like in the AFC pecking order as a quarterback. It could be vastly different. Oh yeah, if he joins an NFC team, I, I think he's probably right. Mahomes is reportedly winning MVP. That won't be announced until the week of the Super Bowl. Um, but he reportedly received 49 of the possible 50 first-place votes from the AP to win his second Most Valuable Player award. 
It comes on the season where he threw for over 5,000 yards for the second time in his career and 41 touchdown passes. Separate of nothing here, uh, because Patrick Mahomes deserves to win an NFL MVP, one of my favorite Twitter follows is, is Super 70 Sports. Yeah. And they tweeted out um, video, a highlight reel of Dan Marino at like an NFL quarterback challenge back in the 80s and then highlights of him in 1984. He threw for 5,000 yards in 1984. Wow. What would Dan Marino in his prime throw in a modern NFL offense with the rules designed the way they are now? 6,500 yards? 7,000 yards in a season? I mean, to go over 5,000 in that era in 1984 is ridiculous. But I was thinking about Mahomes, just some of the arm angles and some of the throws he was making under pressure was incredible. Anyway, I, just, a, just a random thought. Patrick Mahomes, the MVP this year. But I was uh, watching this video, and I was really harking back to the era of Dan Marino and just how great he was when you just sit and watch his highlight reel next to anyone that's played quarterback in the NFL. It's, it's pretty remarkable, his arm talent. Speaking of throws and speaking of video, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., the video has surfaced of him getting thrown off a plane. So he spends a, a, an evening, an all-nighter, Chad, at the club, reportedly. Comes in, uh, he's passed out, apparently wouldn't put his seatbelt on or wouldn't respond. So they bring uh, security in, and he's you know talking to uh, other passengers up in first class, um, I'd say mocking them. You can't hear the audio for good reason, because we'd have to bleep out too much of it. Uh, but I, I don't get the people who are defending him uh, who say he, you know, he was just minding his own business. At the early stage of the, the camera, uh, the body cam, he is just sitting there not talking. But he was also barely responding. And they were doing what they were told to do based on the request of those that were trying to get his attention on the, on the plane, the attendant. It's a wellness check. Yeah, but, Essentially, yeah, but yeah, also someone's like completely unresponsive. removing him off the plane out of first class. And I just don't understand those who don't see the, you go out clubbing, you are up all night, you come in, you pass out, then you're angry about it, you're grumpy, and you think that it should just all go his way. I don't, the defense of Odell Beckham Jr. after seeing this, I, I was scratching my head to begin with. Now, to me, it's definitive. Yeah, he should have been kicked off the flight based on how he was acting. Well, here's another possible solution for Odell Beckham Jr. Just miss your flight. Uh, you can afford it. Just get a later flight. If the night was that big and you're going to show up and be a disturbance and be almost unresponsive and have to have a wellness check and well, then start talking to everyone else in first class, maybe the solution would have been, you know what, I'm going to sleep an extra two or three hours and just get on that later flight wherever I'm going. I just Where did Odell Beckham Jr. have to be? I just <laughs> at don't that point. I, I, he wasn't playing for a team. I, I just, uh, it's yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I don't understand the defense. He's making everyone get off him. the plane. He's got a deep plane because he's being disruptive. Yeah, I don't under. Yeah, I don't understand anyone defending. Now I don't. You know, it's not some national emergency. No, no, no. Of anything he did, but also there's no defense of it. If you if you're in that situation and you're on that plane or you're witnessing that and your reaction is, oh, why are they bothering him? He's doing nothing wrong. No, put yourself in the shoes of everyone else that's on that plane that's being disrupted by this that's going on. That's, come on. During, I mean, that's, during holiday easy. travel, yeah. peak time, ridiculous. This is pre-Southwest meltdown. 
So, you know, at least you didn't have that going for you then. Everybody's already anxious about that. That's right. Uh, Southwest, by the way, taking a lot of steps to make good with people. I I noticed as a rewards member, you probably got it too. I I think everyone got like $300 worth of flight. You know, you got basically enough points that's uh, equivalent to a $300 flight somewhere. I think everyone that has an account with Southwest got that just based on the bad publicity uh, from all of this, whether you were affected or not. Armando Salguero joins us in an hour. We'll pick up the NFL discussion. But when we come back from on three, Josh Newborg joins us. And uh, we've got plenty to discuss in the world of recruiting results, uh, what he's expecting to happen, and especially the quarterback situation with Rashada at Florida. Some details have emerged there, too. Josh Newberg next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I've got the underdog money line upsets for the NFL weekend. Straight up bets you can make with us. Outkick.com slash bet. That's coming up in about 20 minutes from right now. Outkick 360 rolls on. Chad, details have emerged. Some more in, involving Jaden Rashada and what's been going on behind the scenes at Florida and the quarterback they hope to land, but now we don't know. Yeah, and our next guest with On3 Sports has been all over this story, but to sum it up, Jaden Rashada, big-time quarterback, five-star by some services, four-star by another. He's from Pittsburgh, California. He originally visits and looks like he might end up at Florida, but then that doesn't happen. He commits to Miami, and then in November, he decides to commit to Florida. Now, involved in all this, obviously, John Ruiz and his big collective at Miami and the Gator Collective at Florida. Reports of possibly a $13 million contract for his four years at Florida signed. Then there's reports that that contract was rescinded at some point. But even after the contract was taken off the table or they tried to get out of it, Rashada signs at Florida even though there was a delay by 67 minutes of a press conference for Billy Napier because in the initial report, his signing was not done. And then 67 minutes later it was, shows up in Orlando, then all the rumors start this week that maybe Jaden Rashad is not going to be a Gator, and they're going back and forth with the collective on money owed, and now it's all up in the air. And today's an important day on January 13th for class registration for the spring semester at Florida, which leads us now to our guest. Josh Newberg joins us, who's been all over this from On3, and that's the site to go to for all of this type of discussion. Josh, how are you, man? And from those details, what are we to believe with what's going on in Gainesville? Well, thanks for having me on. And let me say that you guys just did a phenomenal job of wrapping up what has transpired over the last, you know, six to eight months. And it has been a wild ride. Chad, Chad is all about uh, the downfall of Florida. So, Josh, uh, he knows a, every uh, detail. As a Tennessee grad <laughs> and having to read the old Bruce Pearl timeline 
of the barbecue and all the issues and the lying to the NCAA that you know ESPN would put out for every game. I'm an expert at reading timelines. So I'm great at reading a timeline and then repeating the timeline back. But, I mean, that's where we are with Jaden Rashada right now. And um, you cover this all the time, Josh, but this seems like a crazy story. But it's not really that crazy right now in big-time recruiting in college football, is it? I still think it is crazy in terms of this is, to my knowledge, the first NIL holdout that we're all witnessing. That's a great I don't point. think there's anything to say that this has anything other than to do with NIL right now. And what the hangups are can be debated, but the reason that Jaden Rashada is not enrolled at Florida today is because of NIL. So here's the, the what I have a hard time with, with this whole timeline and everything with Rashada. And you're right, and that part of it is unique. And it may be setting a precedent moving forward for other quarterbacks in terms of holding out for NIL. But based on the timeline, the Gator Collective at least informed him or attempted to inform the family that we want to tear up this contract. Now, is it your understanding, or I guess you know we could just kind of connect the dots here, they probably told him, you're going to get paid. We just got to work out some things with that contract and sign a different contract. But then they come back and say, you're going to get paid over a million dollars, but it's not $13 million. Is that where we are right now with them? But the contract is signed. So is this going to lead to some legal issues on both sides, possibly, Josh? I think it very well could. And at that point, once the lawsuits are filed, I mean, there's going to be no more he said, she said. It'll be all in the the law documents. But yes, to, to my understanding that there... And let's just put the numbers to the side, because I think the numbers are a distraction from the facts. The facts are that something was executed. A contract was presented, a contract was signed, and a contract was not fulfilled. What those numbers exactly were will come out in the wash. But regardless, there is a hangup with the deal that was communicated and executed back when he flipped from Miami to Florida. It's also, you know... The flip from Miami to Florida for a guy from the West Coast, you know, we can all draw our conclusions about that. What I do like about this, Josh, though, is that, you know, for years and years, and and you covering this industry, it's always things you kind of talk about with your buddies at the bar, but you don't really talk about in public. I do like that we now have the freedom to just talk about exactly what's going on with these crazier stories of families involved and $13 million contracts and a collective offering a contract on the side and the coach trying to wash his hands of it. All of this stuff is interconnected and there's a freedom to discuss these things now. Yeah. And, you know, everything that was reported in The Athletic today had kind of been what I was hearing from multiple sources behind the scenes. So I will take them at face value for what was reported. And they did a pretty good job of laying out the timeline with a little bit more details publicly than had been mentioned before. But yeah, it is all playing out very publicly. And there's always going to be rumors because nobody's sharing exact details of these contracts. We've never seen an NIL deal made public of any sort, let alone one that Jaden Rashada or the Gators are disputing. So there's really no telling to what exactly is in the in the reporting or I, I'm sorry, in the contracts. 
But if there are lawsuits filed after this, then we will see the fallout of what comes for that. And I do think that there's going to be some fallout. I've been talking to coaches from across the country, really. And it's not about that this is happening to Florida, but there's there are some college coaches that feel what's happening right now could have happened to almost to multiple programs across the country. And they feel that this happening right now could lead to to some better rules, some better regulations. Uh, The thought is that this happens a lot. And they're surprised that more teams or more schools haven't gotten caught up in a situation like this. Josh Newberg, our guest on three, uh, is the site for all of your recruiting news and analysis and NIL. Uh, Several follow-ups here, because I'm fascinated by the story from different angles. First, uh, from what On3 is doing, and Shannon's been in, he's told us like the, the site's going to tell us exactly the value in that given moment based on the program. What is Rashada's value, according to On3, versus what we're disputing right now? I think it was somewhere around 550 to 600 k but you have to understand that the NIL market is more inflated than anywhere in the country because there's two parties that have just been going at it viciously in terms of NIL competition. You had John Ruiz at Miami and you had the Florida Gator Collective and and their boosters that were supporting that. And what happened, I've been covering recruiting in the state of Florida since 2005. I've never seen two teams go head to head in the state more than I've seen UF and Miami go head to head. Well, guess what that did? That inflated the cost of doing business in the state to a absurd amount. And I blame the Gator coaching staff a little bit for the situation that they're in with Rashada. They knew when Rashada burned them in July and committed to Miami, because a lot of people did think Jaden Rashada was going to UF. The Gator staff knew what they were getting into in July when he committed to John Ruiz and the Miami Hurricanes. It was an it was a very lucrative NIL package. Okay. Well, then the decision, though, to double back and go in on Rashada when you know that your NIL support might be shaky, your resources might be limited. Why go in after Jaden Rashada? That's an ego play. It was because they got beat by John Ruiz in July and they didn't feel like they should get beat. They could have gone for any other quarterback in the country, but they stayed in this inflated market in the state of Florida and did business where there was no need to do that sort of business. I mean, like I said, forget the numbers, but whatever the number was, the Gators don't, you know, they're feeling a little iffy about paying that right now. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't think this is, you know, it's obviously not done. We've seen things change in the 11th hour. Today's the last day of drop ad for UF, but having covered recruiting, I fully understand that there's waivers, there's things that can get guys in. 10 days, two weeks, maybe even three weeks after drop ad end. So while today is a significant date, it doesn't necessarily mean the end to it all. So we'll just have to see what happens. But like I said earlier, we're all just here witnessing the first NIL holdout of the uh, the new recruiting era. Yeah. And, you know, here's the other angle too. going circling back to what you said about Ruiz is so Ruiz wins the bid. Right. And he's initially. Got, yeah. Yeah. And he's. If, if Rashada stays there, he's getting paid. Florida circles back. Turns out, doesn't sound like they're going to pay him whatever they sign. But the signed contract on top of this, and including what Ruiz would have had with Florida coming back, tells me that if there is some litigation here, 
the Gators are screwed in terms of what was signed versus not. I don't know how legal the document is for this NIL stuff. Right. None of us do. Right. But to me, that this all points to representation, uh, union. There's got to be people that represent this type of thing instead of individual players going at it like this. Otherwise, it is team owner against team owner instead of school against school, which is ultimately what's going on. Now, one card the Gators could try to play here is giving Jaden Rashada his full release if he agrees not to file a lawsuit. I think maybe that could, you know, that could keep it out of the courts. Maybe just, you know, everybody just wipes their hands and moves on. I I don't know. Uh, maybe they are able to come to an agreement, but I, I'm just speculating is that's a card that I think UF could play if needed to keep this thing out of the courts. Josh, what's the likelihood this story ends back at Miami where it started, where Jaden Rashada is going to hop in a car that's going to be paid for by John Ruiz, whatever nice car he wants, and he's going to drive nah, on down. I, to I don't see Ruiz to to getting involved in this. I you think, think with he's the out? speculation of lawsuits and and like I said, the overinflated market that has been caused by John Ruiz and by the Gator Collectives to 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 just cause this to get so far out of hand. Um, I've been told through sources that Miami is not an option. Um, I laid out in a video at On3 earlier this week that I could see maybe Arizona State. Um, his father played there. Kenny Dillingham's new there. Obviously, Colorado for a number of reasons why Dion would want to get involved there. Or if he wants to remain in the SEC, uh, if that was his dream to play in the SEC, you know, Ole Miss didn't sign a quarterback. Auburn didn't sign a quarterback. You know a program like a Kentucky or Missouri could make room for a Jaden Rashad if that's what he chooses to do. But I don't think Miami will be involved in this one. Is there a fallout for Florida recruiting because of the public nature of this story moving forward? There is going to be fallout from this on all sides, right? I think there's going to be fallout from, from whatever, when the dust settles and the Gator Collective has to pick up and move on, I think there's going to be fallout on that side. I mean, who knows how deep it runs into the program, but I definitely think there'll be fallout there. But I also think, I don't think Miami is clear from this either. I think that there could be fallout from these overinflated deals that are being offered, you know, down the road, there could be fallout from this. The unintended consequences maybe is a better term to use than fallout. But also, I think there could be fallout just in the NCAA in general. Uh, if this thing goes to the courts and, and people get their name put on this, I think other schools are going to be put on notice. There's a lot of people behind the scenes in terms of boosters that are just private citizens that are involved that will not want their name run through the public. Uh, whether it be through courts or message boards or whatever. So I do think that this situation that we're watching will cause wide waves, wide ripples throughout college football. It's a great documentary or docuseries to watch just in this saga uh, one day, maybe 10 years from now, about the start of this leading to something more and leading to some change. A lot mm -hmm. of change in Boulder, Colorado, uh, with, the buff, with the buffs and the recruiting with, with Deion Sanders. Um, how much fun, Josh, is it to cover this story from your perspective of the perfect blend of celebrity coach, name recognition, yeah. program that was once really good, that's been down on its luck for two decades, and then this influx of what's starting to be a higher level of talent to Colorado. You've got a long ways to go, but what do you think about covering this story? It's very unique in terms of doing my job because – 
even when I report on Alabama or Florida, it's regional interest. I mean, this Jane Rashada thing has gone a little a little national, but Deion Sanders, whatever he does, draws national coast to coast interest, whether it's from the people that hate him or if it's the people that love him or people like me who just love a disruptor, right? I, I love to observe, to see how he's gonna do it because it's different. Deion Sanders brings a different skill set than any other coach in the country. And his skill set in college football might be more valuable in this NIL era than it ever has. And his ability to come in and make an impact could be something that we, something unprecedented. Now it could all go up in flames as well. I'm putting all options on the table when it comes to Deion Sanders, but regardless, people from coast to coast are fascinated with what's happening in Boulder, Colorado. Josh, hear me out here. Chad, I'm curious if you agree too. I I am about to compare Deion to Mike Leach in this way. Mike Mike Leach was great and he was accepted by everyone, fans, coaches, everyone, because while he was a very good coach, I don't know how many coaches felt threatened by playing a Mike Leach team every year, meaning their program was going to be good, not great. And that's just, that's, that's great. That's good. What, whatever. Uh, Mike Leach was awesome. Mm-hmm. You, you say Dion's the disruptor. I think he's accepted by and large now, but how good can he get and how quickly can he be there before he's hated and regarded as the enemy? Because I don't think Dion's viewed as the enemy yet. Uh, he is to Florida State fans. Yeah, but Florida State can always circle back to him and offer him yeah, more now, later, now I right? Guess, I guess with him at Colorado, the pairing, can he go from nuisance disruptor to power? At right. Colorado well, to where I say now that more so not because he stole Travis Hunter yeah. from the Florida State Seminoles For sure. in the last hour. But I, I think as he does that to more programs, you know, the the quote unquote hate is going to build. But the hate's a good thing because in college football, you only get hated if you're doing good, if you're winning, if you're stealing recruits from other programs. So if Dion can stay relevant, it means that he's winning. Um, I think that uh, one of the reasons why people weren't threatened by Dion is because it hadn't been done before. Okay. Dion hadn't, you know, he he talked a big game, but until he swiped the number one player in America from the Florida State Seminoles, and people thought maybe the Georgia Bulldogs were going to be the ones that flipped Travis Hunter, but it was Dion. That kind of made it a little bit more real. And then when you saw him get the Colorado job and you saw him take all those players with him, you started to see the vision a little bit more. Like Dion's value doesn't just come as a head coach. Dion's value comes in terms of what he can acquire talent-wise. He brings a social media machine. He brings a brand. He brings he brings so much that is unique to Dion Sanders and really no other coaches in the country right now. You know, and here's the best way I can describe the reaction now to Colorado and, and Dion, where it is now, without him having coached a game there, Josh, is, you know, I, I follow uh, Tennessee football and Tennessee recruiting through yeah. VolQuest with On3, which is a, a great site great for a Tennessee site. grad to follow. And there's the Michigan defensive line transfer that is visiting Tennessee, but before he gets to Tennessee, he's going to Colorado first. And a year oh, yeah. ago... I would have been angry that Tennessee was after someone that Colorado wanted. If the final two choices were Tennessee and Colorado, I'm thinking, 
I mean, Tennessee should be battling Florida and Miami and Georgia and Alabama and A&M for players and not Colorado. And now I see that and I think, oh, he'll probably just stay in Boulder when he gets there and not even make it to Knoxville on his trip if Deion Sanders wants the kid bad enough. Am I crazy to think that way this early on when I, when I see Dion at, at Colorado? No, it's starting to happen. And my take on it is Colorado is not going to land all these guys. They're not going to land a significant amount of these guys, but it's a pure numbers play. If you can get more five stars naming you in your top five, if you can get more four and five stars to start and visit, you're going to land, even if it's a small percentage of those in year one, you're going to land some of those guys. You're going to fall into a five star or a four star that Colorado has no business being in because you have their interest. All it takes is to get in a kid's top five, get him out to Boulder, Colorado, and get him to make a decision. And Dion's going to do that, but it's not going to be everybody, but it's going to be a select few are going to buy into what he's selling. And this offseason is going to be unique for Dion because he's going to be the king of the offseason because he has he's not going to lose a game for the next, what, seven months? So it's going to be all hype. You're going to hear all about Deion Sanders and what he's going to, but he is going to, there is going to be a time where he's just not given a pass. I mean, this off season, he'll get the benefit of the doubt. He'll do what he does. There's going to be a ton of hype surrounding that program, but yes, at some point he's going to have to put it together, win some games. And if he can do that, it'll really get rolling. Josh Newberg has been our guest. You can read more and find more content at on three. Josh, appreciate it, man. The perspective was great, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. Maybe sooner rather than uh, later because of Rashada. Who knows? Hey, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Appreciate really it. Really good. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Appreciate Josh it. Josh Newberg. Um, we'll yeah. definitely need to get him Excellent. back on. That Excellent. was that was really good analysis. Good conversation on that. I am, you know, if one thing that he brought up that I keep thinking about, that he's a little disappointed in Billy Napier for even getting back involved yeah. based on how things turned and, and what he knew he was getting into. To me, that shows a little bit of panic on Billy Napier's part because when did they get back all in on Rashada and when did he commit? It was November, in the middle of a disappointing first year. That, that sounds like sort of a panic move when he, that you need to go get a big quarterback and you go back to your collective and say, do whatever it takes to get him. I need something positive right now. Around, it was also probably around the time that he knew Richardson was leaving. It was November 10th. They so had to clear, you know, but I'm getting saying towards he, the end of the season. He wasn't sticking around. Yeah. Uh, coming up, we'll tell you the coach who is sticking around the NFL. He's coming back to his team, just announced. And there is a defensive coordinator out of the SEC that's staying in the division of the SEC, but headed to a rival coach. That's next on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We were discussing this earlier this week. It didn't take very long. Welcome back to Outkick 360. Sean McVay grabbed the mic and said, you know what? I'm not leaving. He is staying with the Los Angeles Rams as head coach for at least another season. He's informed the team that he's not going anywhere. And thankfully, this wasn't a saga that 
was going to drag out for the next month plus. But the Rams needed to know. And so did McVay. McVay needed to know if he was coming back and he was going to be all in. And I think, look, he's there's a reason why they claim Baker Mayfield for and, and then paid the remainder of his, what was it, a million plus left on the contract to see what he could do for them. And, I mean, among the success stories over a, the last month, Mayfield's got to be one of them. I don't know where that ranks for success stories, quote-unquote, but where he was this past preseason, then to Carolina, then to L.A., where two days after landing, he played Thursday night football and won the game on a game-winning drive. I mean, it is a, it's a solid story, and now they at least have an option if they need it for a replacement for Matthew Stafford if he's not healthy enough to, to go. I, I'm glad McVay's staying. I'm also very intrigued to watch him call and analyze games because I think he'll be extremely honest. Do you think he took Baker Mayfield to Cabo like he did Matthew Stafford? Well, and if uh, not, is Baker Mayfield jealous that he didn't get the Cabo treatment? I, well, I would be if I were the quarterback. Well, it's no coincidence that Mayfield said he had a feeling that he was going to L.A. whenever he was re- released and he had to clear waivers. That the Rams, the Rams, by the way, are the only team to claim him. Also, Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator at Bama, is headed to be the defensive coordinator with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. And Bama fans rejoice. Yeah. It feels like this is a you're feel, you're free to look around scenario and Kiffin having a relationship with him when he was offensive coordinator at Bama snatched him up and maybe a win-win for both depending on who Alabama hires. A lot of right now trending on Twitter, Hutton, Jeremy Pruitt. Mm. The name trending on Twitter to go back to Alabama's defensive coordinator. Yeah, not head coach, so he'll do well. Um Outkick.com slash bet. My upset picks for this weekend. I'm taking the Bucks to win outright over Dallas. There's a ton of pressure on the Cowboys. And trust me, the Bucks know how to make a game sloppy and ugly. They win late. So I'm taking Tampa Bay Monday night over Dallas. And give me the Jags money line over the Chargers. I started the show by saying I, there's something odd with everyone picking Jacksonville. But... The, the money in Vegas still favors the Chargers. Jacksonville at home. Trevor Lawrence with an opportunity to ascend to that next level. I like the coaching matchup too. And I love Travis Etienne against the Chargers defense who cannot stop the run to win a game. So give me Jacksonville outright money line. Those are my two underdogs to win over the first weekend of the playoffs. I love it. These are the two most likely, the two that I would go with. Uh, I'm a little bit more confident in Jacksonville, believe it or not, than I am Tampa, but I like both of those. Coming up, straight to the headlines, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett. Comments were made, and Garrett has responded with an alpha quote. We'll tell you about it. Plus, Aaron Rodgers, in his own words, answers the question about possibly playing his final game at Lambeau last week. That's next on OutKick. 